1: God
2: created Adam and you and me and Eve, and he designed man to, first of all, know him, to have a relationship with him. Second, to love him and show that by what? Obeying, just as we read to you. And then to serve him with the gifts that God gives us. And last of all, a lot of people think this is an oxymoron. If I love God and obey God, you mean like I'm going to enjoy that?
0: Absolutely, because he wants the best for us. We see in Genesis that God intended mankind to have a personal relationship with Him. He also created us male and female with defined roles. Because of the fall, we damaged our relationship with God as well as with one another. Pastor Mark will be teaching about God's intent for marriage and how we were designed to work properly within that scheme. We see all around us the consequences of not following God's original desire for us the misery, broken lives that result. Pastor Mark will also be teaching about the seemingly contradictory thinking, that we will find pleasure in doing what God says rather than doing what we want. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues his message, A Checkup of Our Life and Marriage.
2: You call me Lord, but I didn't have a personal relationship with you. I wasn't the Lord. You ran your own life. I never knew you. And then he says this, away from me. Nobody ever want to hear those words. Away from me, you evil doers. So if you're here this morning and not a believer, it's time to become a believer. He wants the best for you and the best for you starts with salvation. And so he gives us these warnings because he loves us over and over and over again. The Bible just talks about the commands of God and obeying them. One time Jesus said this, if you love me, hunk your horn. That's the new translation I have. No, he didn't say that. Here's what he said. If you love me. You will obey what I command. I love you, Lord, and I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't work. Now, when we begin to think about that, Pastor Mark, where did Jesus or God get the authority to command us to obey? I mean, who does he think he is? God? Hello? (laughs) Yes. So here's the truth. There's a key word in our teaching this morning. It's called authority. Here it is. Romans 13:1. All authority comes from who? So look at the bottom line. God alone has all authority. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that authority mean? Well, here's the definition: the power or the right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience by telling you if you obey good great stuff if you disobey mm -mm, here's what's going to happen to you you don't want that happen to you i love you don't disobey so the world will not agree with that at all they don't think authority comes from god they think authority comes from themselves And you'll see what that looks like in a moment, especially even when we talk about marriage. Now, let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Not hard to find in your Bible. If you've never opened a Bible, just open to the front part. Just open to the front part. And the first book is Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Now, here we begin to see how God created you and how God created me. It's powerful. Verse 15, And the Lord God took the man... And put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God, what's the next word? Commanded the man. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. By the way, the tree was in the center. Was in the center. Jesus be the center right there. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree. This one was the one in the center. Knowledge of good and evil. I only have the knowledge of good and evil. You can't have the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have all authority. You don't have all wisdom. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So when God created man, you have to understand, he wants the best or the worst for us. Okay, seven of you are really excited with that. The rest of you, I'm going to pray for you. Does God want the best or the worst for us? He wants the best. He wants the best. So here's what you want to write down this morning. Once you get this, you'll understand it. God created Adam and you and me and Eve, and he designed man to, first of all, know him, to have a relationship with him. Second, to love him and show that by what? Obeying Just as we read to you. And then to serve him with the gifts that God gives us. And last of all, a lot of people think this is an oxymoron. If I love God and obey God, you mean like I'm going to enjoy that? Absolutely. Because he wants the best for us. So when you begin to see that, God says to Adam, I created you. Eve isn't on the scene yet. And I want the best for you. So I design you to obey me. But right from the beginning, what do we see of the history of man? Man believed in God. Of course, Adam did. He was talking with him, his creator. And he hears truth, words. Since God wanted man to love him from his heart, God gave man what? A free will. Here's your two choices. You can build wisely. Or you can build like a fool. You can include me as the foundation of your life or try to do life without me. You see, it's right from the beginning. It's the very same thing. He was testing the heart of man. And somebody stopped me recently, and I thought it was really good. He said to me, well, Pastor Mark, why did God make man who could sin? And I explained to him like this. He was a man. If you, as a parent, have your children... How would you like your children to respond to you when they get old enough to know, you know, not only say your name, but, you know, respond to you? Would you like your children to come to you and and they were created that they could only say this? I love you, dad. I love you, dad. I love you, Dad. How do you really feel? I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. How many remember the little dolls we used to have? You could pull the thing in the bag. I love you. I love you. I love you. How many think, wow. How many like your wife to say that to you? I love you, husband. I love you, husband. I love you, husband. Somebody say, I haven't heard that for a long time. I kind of like it. <laughs> no. Because it doesn't come from where? The heart. Could God have created you as a robot? Absolutely. What good would that be? He wanted us to obey him to show that we what? Loved him. So he gave man a free will. Now, he didn't only create man. He created woman. Go to Genesis. You're right. Keep your finger there in two because we'll be right back. But go to Genesis 127. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Say it with me. Male and what? Female. He created him. So he didn't just create a man. He created a woman for the man. Now, go back to Genesis 2, right where you were. I'll give you a summary of it very quickly. As time went on, God created animals, Adam was naming them, and all of a sudden he discovered he didn't have somebody to match like he saw in the animals. So God said, it's not really good to keep you alone, you have a relationship with me, but I'm going to create a woman for you. And so God did this, look at verse 24. He created the woman from the man, look at verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his, talking later, a man will leave his father and his mother, leaving is a command, and be united, there's a oneness, there's a spiritual oneness, to his wife, and they will become one flesh. It's something spiritual that only God can do. And the man and his wife were both, what? Two of you can say that in church, it's okay to say it. If you're from Georgia, naked. They were naked. And what kind of shame did they feel? None. None. You need to write the definition down. Here's the definition. God designed marriage to be a monogamous. God didn't create three Eves for Adam. Don't laugh because that's where this is going in our world. And a heterosexual relationship. God didn't create another Adam. Here's two Adams or two Eves. No, he created one man and one woman. And that is the definition of how God does marriage. Sorry. Is it for our bad or for our good? It's for our good. Well, is God that wise? Hello. In the beginning, you... No. God. He knows exactly how to to do life. Now, as you go through the Bible, you see this everywhere. This definition has never changed from Genesis to Revelation. You go to the Ten Commandments, what do we hear? Honor your mother, mother. And I'm not making fun. I'm trying to get a point across. Honor your mother and father. It's all the way through. When you get to Solomon, Ecclesiastes, he says this. Husbands are to enjoy life with the wife whom you love. I'm to enjoy my wife if I'm a husband. If you're married this morning, your spouse is here, give him a kiss right now. Just go ahead and give him a kiss. guys. That's fine. That's good. Man, look at that sound. Isn't that fantastic? It's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right, now. Uh, Solomon also says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, men, look at me for a moment. This is worth points tonight. (laughs) You just turn to your wife right now and say, man, you're amazing. Go ahead. This is worth points tonight. Come on. Come on. That's right. You found a good thing. It doesn't say man found another man. Now, when you see that, You thought last night was fireworks. (laughs) Okay. Bring your mind back. Let's just go right on through now. So I'm going to ask you some amazing questions. Since that's the definition from God, and how much authority does God have? Can the Supreme Court redefine marriage and trump God's authority? No, they cannot. Have they? Yes, they have. Why? Why? Because they don't live under God's authority. Four of them, maybe. Five, no. You say, well, Pastor Mark, Well, wait a minute. Sinners sin. That shouldn't surprise you. Before you and I were a Christian, what did we do? We did it our way. We sinned. So it shouldn't surprise you. Now, that, we don't agree with it. It's the wrong decision. There's no question about it. But how are we going to respond to that? Well, we're going to respond, you'll see in a moment, with love. But we're going to respond with truth. Now, it's one thing for the Supreme Court to do this. Maybe you didn't see this, but I'm going to go through it very quickly. You know, when you go to a church, you would expect the church would teach what? The Bible. Well, we know that's really gone downhill. So look what happened just this week. Just this week. The Episcopal Church... Officially joined the Presbyterian Church, USA. That's not all Presbyterians, that's the liberal Presbyterians. And the United Church of Christ, not all Christ, uh, Church Christ Churches by any means, the liberal branch, this week in becoming the third mainline denomination to embrace gay marriage rights. Now, to do that, what did they have to do? Watch this. They have officially removed the language that defined marriage as between a man. And a woman. In our churches. So what does that do to the world outside? Oh, that's the church I want to go to. And what will they hear there? Very little truth. Do you understand where we're going? See, this shouldn't surprise you. Christianity is not... In the norm here anymore in our world. Europe for a long time. Europe, England, if you go, there's lots of revivals happening. By the way, almost all young people, I'm going to be going in the fall to Belgium, revivals happening like crazy over there with the young people. The older people never serve God. They just never serve God. So let me tell you what Europe's like today and England's like today. About two to three percent on the average go to church at all, period. never step into a church. Remember the thing I was trying to tell you a few weeks ago? It just came back to me now. The head of the Muslim denomination, whatever you want to call them, religion, in France, went to the French president and said, most of the Catholic churches are totally empty. I want your permission so we can turn all of them into mosques. Our world is so messed up. Why? Because God is no longer the authority. And his word means nothing to these people. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. Here's what happens. For thousands of years, the church never changed. by How the Bible defined it, it was marriage. Here it is. One man, one woman. When it came to time for Jesus, some of the Jewish people in the New Testament with Jesus here, they said, well, what does Jesus really think? Let me show you what Jesus really thinks. He was talking to the Jewish people. They were talking about divorce. But watch what he does. Matthew 19, 4 and 6 Look at the first words. Haven't you read? See, outside these walls, people don't know what the Bible teaches. You'll understand why I just said that to you. They have no idea what the Bible teaches because they don't read it. But he says to the Jewish people, haven't you read? How? And what's he say? Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator, was Jesus there at creation? Yes. Haven't you read at the beginning that the creator made them male and Male and female. That was the design. For this reason, a man... This should sound familiar to you. We just read it. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will be one flesh, so they no longer be two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Can I just say to you, what God has ordained, let man not play around with. That's what he means. So what Jesus did, he confirmed God's design and directions for marriage... And sexuality. See, marriage and sexuality are joined together. They do not exist outside of marriage. So by affirming God's creational plan, Jesus says to the world, that's the way it is. Here's our problem. Because of the confusion, the People that don't really know the Word of God but kind of want to confuse you. Satan's a great deceiver. They take many parts of the Scripture and Paul will say, for instance, in Romans, a woman shouldn't lay with another woman. It's unnatural. And they'll play with that words and talk, well, you're talking about abusive men and abusive... They do all that kind of stuff. So a few months ago, One of my friends, actually my accountability partner, Pastor Carl, from Sarasota, Calvary Chapel, he recommended a book for me. Here's the title. Write it down. And here's what I want you to do. And let me tell you a little bit about it. The title of the book is, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? It isn't a hate book. We don't hate homosexuals any more than we hate people that sin like you and me. But it debunks the lies that that community is giving. Do you think our children today are facing confusion with this? Everywhere. We have children now even saying all kinds of things. I think I was born to be a girl instead of a guy. Young kids. Where are they getting this from? Everything they see. everything. So parents, Lord, help us. You need to know what the Bible says. This is foundational. But you say, Pastor Mark, is that really necessary? Absolutely. It's your children, and you need to know. What did Jesus just say to us? Haven't you read? So it's powerful. It's fantastic. So thank you for doing just exactly that. So how do we respond to what we just saw? These churches, the Supreme Court, well, we don't respond in fear. We don't react in hate. Let me tell you what we're going to do so you'll understand that. Even though Satan and our society doubt God and and his biblical authority, you will continue to hear that we uphold the biblical definition of marriage by teaching all the word of God. We will never say anything different than God designed since the beginning of time. Period. Now, we don't know what the ramifications of that are. It doesn't matter to us. Second... We will continue to be salt and light and stay on mission. Our mission isn't to focus on homosexuals. Our mission is to focus on people far from God. That includes lots of sins, lots of stuff. Number three, we will continue to focus on grace and truth as Jesus taught. That's an odd mixture. But one day Jesus caught a woman caught in adultery. What did he say to her at the end? I don't condemn you but go and change your lifestyle. Any sinner, we don't care who, any sinner is welcome because that's who Jesus is. You got it? So we will speak the truth in what? Love. Don't hate. We just were told, love your enemies. Perfect passage that we're in. Those that despitefully use us. Now, will people not believe us? Of course not, because they're confused. But many people will change, and they'll finally come to this amazing thing. So we will teach biblical marriage. Last, listen to this. We will teach the truth about biblical marriage in that it eliminates confusion and also brings healing to our sexually broken culture. We have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. To be honest, these attacks should cause all of us to examine our own lives. The world needs to see healthy, biblical, successful marriages. Do you realize that? That's what they need to see. How is the church done with that? Not so good. So next week, I'm going to finish with a few things on marriage quickly this morning. But next week, I'm going to teach on marriage just for one week. We stop the book of Luke. I'm going to teach on marriage. And uh, I've titled it this, how to have a perfect marriage. But I need your help because I can't find any pastor, including me, that could teach it. Could I hear an amen? Yeah, exactly. So, of course, we're not going to teach that. What I'm going to teach you, and I don't have it all down yet. I got up at five this morning, God. I'm just writing stuff like crazy from God. I'm going to give you uh, either six or seven ways to have a strong, healthy marriage. Now, right from the Word of God. And this is going to be for divorced people. This is going to be for single people. You're thinking of getting married, and you really need to think hardly about getting married. And this is going to be uh, older people, younger people. It doesn't really matter where you come. Single parents, and we're going to have a great time. I I might even have a bed up here on the platform. We're going to have a great time as we go through it. Don't be surprised what you'll see. Now, I want you to look at my face because I want to share something with you. To be honest, the biggest problem in the church is not same-sex marriage. The biggest problem in the church, in our world, is a man and a woman who simply live together and don't get married.
0: Today we learned about God's original intent for mankind, as well as for men and women. Pastor Mark reminded us of the chaos that has resulted from our not doing life the way God wants us to. He also shared lots of scripture verses that show what God wants from our marriages, how much He wants to shower blessings on us as we obey His rules. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the next message, Pastor Mark will be concluding this checkup of our life, focusing on marriage. He'll be talking about the importance godly marriage is to the stability of society. He will be sharing the importance of the church to hold the line on agreeing with God's plan for men and women. Now some have unfortunately chosen to abandon God's word. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, that's do life right.
1: In a hurry